the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast, and we are with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. God bless them. How are you? Yeah. Uh, brand new podcast. It's a Tuesday, and uh, we would love you to be a part of any and all of our podcasts. Uh, send your voicemails or your questions or any of that kind of stuff. Leave them with us at 773-417-6948, and drop us an email anytime you want, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for that fantastic theme. And it is a uh, our first uh, episode of the week, episode number 31. Yes. And it is a For the People episode. The first Tuesday of each month means that we do an episode for you, for the people, for the people. And that's when we have our two guests who uh, like to help everybody out uh, with concerns and questions in their daily lives. And so uh, her Weissbaum is going to first join us. He is uh, the Consumer Man, and you can check him out at ConsumerMan.com and uh, Checkbook.org. He's been helping people out with consumer issues and scams and helping you out uh, to keep in your money safe and uh, all kinds of really cool stuff. Herb's been uh, uh, around doing this, you know, professionally for, geez, I mean, four decades, and he's been a part of um, my radio shows in the past and my uh, podcast here now. Uh, helps you out, and he is the Consumer Man. And again, if you have questions for him in future episodes of For the People, Voicemail them to us at 773-417-6948. Email them to us at nickdpodcast.gmail.com. Herb Weissbaum joining us. And then after that, Tom Appel joins us. Tom's our car guy from Consumer Guide Automotive. Any questions that you have about cars, if you're looking to uh, lease or rent or buy a car, any kind of car-related questions, automotive questions, Tom helps you out. He's also the star spotter. And we'll get to that a little bit later, too. But it's for the people. Herb and Tom help you out. And uh, you know who helps us? Helps you out too to get a laugh. My dad. Every uh, uh, Tuesday, um, uh, we have my dad on once a week to tell a joke. He stops by, rings the bell. I let him in. He tells a fantastic joke. We all laugh. My dad rules. Eighty years old, still running around like a loon, working at Jewel at Irving and Narragansett, bagging groceries, telling jokes. And uh, he's been a joke teller his whole life. He loves doing it. And so, hey, what the hell? I want my dad on the podcast to tell you a joke, so every week you get a brand new joke from my dad. That's all coming up uh, right here on the Nick uh, D podcast. And uh, oh, oh, wait! Hi, I'm minute. Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Hey, I love Carrie Russell, but you know who I also love very, very much? Suzanne Vega. Um, she's in town uh, for a couple of nights in Chicago. Uh, played uh, the Old Town uh, music, uh, the Old Town School of folk music on Lincoln Avenue and then space in Evanston. Uh, incredible, incredible. Uh, that's all I can say about her. Um, and uh, well, I mean, I saw her at the old town school of folk music. I'm well, you know, it's, it's technically a Tuesday, but I'm actually recording this 
it's a Monday afternoon when I'm recording this. I just want you to know. And tonight I'm seeing her at Space in Evanston. So, but uh, if the show in Evanston at Space is, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. If the show at the Old Town School of Folk is any indication about how good the show is tonight, it's going to be at Space in Evanston. Well, you should see it. Uh, Intimate Evening with Suzanne Vega, Stories and Songs. She's one of my favorite people on the planet, one of my favorite artists on the planet. Um, I have loved her since 1985. The very first time I ever heard her first album, and I've been, she's never been better. She's just as good now as she was then. It was the first time that I've seen a live uh, concert, the first time I've seen live music with a big group of people in one room in over three years. And uh, one of the only artists that I could imagine like breaking that horrible tradition you know, of not seeing live music. But the greatest artist that I could possibly think of to do that, uh, to break that trend, would be Suzanne Vega. And she was not disappointing at all. Amazing stories, amazing music, amazing person. Uh, and, and yes, uh, she will at some point. I think when the two, she's only on tour for another week. And I think when the tour is over, uh, she's going to make some time, be on the podcast to talk about her fantastic movie. Yes, she has a movie of her one woman show called Lover Beloved, which is about Carson McCullers, the great uh, Southern uh, uh, writer. Uh, and uh, Suzanne plays her in a one-woman uh, uh, musical that she wrote. Uh, it's now a movie. It played Sundance. I saw it. It's fantastic, and we are going to talk about that and much, much more. But anyway, uh, it's great to have Suzanne Vega back live, and uh, it was great. I also reconnected with an old friend that I hadn't seen in many, many years, uh, a girl that I knew from years ago. Um, I haven't seen in a long time, just kind of out of the blue. I was like, hey, you know, if you're not doing anything, you want to go see Suzanne Vega? Because she and I actually saw Suzanne Vega, about 30 years ago, we saw uh, my friend Janet and I saw saw Suzanne about 30 years ago together. And I was like, out of the blue, I'm like, hey, you want to go see it? And we had some dinner and we talked and we caught up. It was a really, really lovely, lovely evening. Just catching up with an old friend, having some laughs, reconnecting with her. And we're going to talk more because we haven't talked in a very long time. And seeing Suzanne Vega live, it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend. Um, and I saw an insane horror movie called Hatching, which is at the Music Box and other theaters. It's an, incre- it's an incredibly weird Finnish horror movie. Um, that was fun. And I went to the midnight show, the 25th anniversary of Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, which, by the way, in case you're wondering, that movie still rules the planet. So anyway, great weekend. Uh, my thanks to uh, to everybody uh, who, who made it possible for me to get in to see Suzanne Vega and all that cool stuff and uh, reconnecting with old friends. It was a good weekend. So let's make it a good week. Uh, and let's do that by starting out with our good friend. Herb Weisbaum. He is the consumer man. And let's get consumer questions answered right after I say to you, congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jackoff. Herb Weissbaum is the Consumer Man. Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming the Consumer Man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. That's right. It's that superhero introduction (laughs) that we all love. (laughs) There it is, the Herb Weissbaum superhero introduction. How how are you, Herb, my friend? Fine, thank you. And we do love that introduction. Yeah, it's great. It's the best. That's the, 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 the one and only uh, Jason Skaggs, who does all of our themes here on the, uh, 
on the podcast. Uh, Herb, I know that you were you were away for a little while. You had uh, some vacation uh, time. You celebrated a big birthday. Uh, before we get to that, consumerman.com is where people can check you out, checkbook.org, and you have been covering the world of consumer and helping people out for uh, a long time. A very long time, more than 40 years, and I also now host the brand new checkbook.org uh, podcast called Consumerpedia, where we have music and an announcer man, but we do not have a jingle. Ah, okay. That is still okay. a Nick D exclusive. Okay. Well, you're, you know, that's, you can, <laughs> I'm going to hold that one over your head for a long time, Herb. That's all. You got uh, it. I, I would love that to be held over my head. All right. Well, listen, you, 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 you celebrated a birthday and uh, tell everybody how old you turned and what you did and, uh, and all that cool stuff. Sure. I turned 70 and uh, two things on the bucket list were to go to Sedona. I love rocks. I love the red rocks and I've never seen them and also go to the Grand Canyon, which is more than grand. So we went there, my wife and I, and enjoyed that and had just an absolutely wonderful time. And then unfortunately came back with a breakthrough COVID case, as careful as we were. Uh, They don't wear a lot of masks in Arizona. Uh, and, uh, we were lucky that we had been fully vaccinated and boosted. So we had a fever. We were gone about 101 and felt horrible, absolutely horrible, but took this new drug called Paxlovid, which has only been out a few months. It's uh, the new, uh, antiviral from Pfizer, which uh, helped us knock things down. The fever broke in a day and felt a lot better. And then at about day, it's only a five day dose, about day seven, we started to feel like we had a really bad cold again. And it lasted just until yesterday, almost 18 days, and uh, spoke to the doctor who said to me, well, they're now getting some uh, information that uh, this drug may have what's called a recurrence, that after people get off the drug, the uh, virus comes back again, and there's questions being asked whether the dosage should be longer. Um, I guess the point of my sharing the story is if you have, uh, if you have COVID, there are antivirals now, a number of them that can help you beat this. Uh, Paxlovid has an 85 or so percent rate uh of keeping you out of the hospital and keeping you from dying. Uh, Some of them have lower success rates, but don't sit at home and suffer on your own. Uh, There are, talk to your doctor, there are things they can give you to help you fight this thing. And even though we had a terrible cold for a while longer, it was sure better than burning a fever and barely having the energy to get out of bed. Right, and always consult your doctor. Uh, and be yeah, careful. Just yeah, be. I know yeah. everybody's taking the masks off. There's a lot of COVID out there, and the numbers you see reported on the news don't even come close to what's really going on because everybody's taking the self-test kits like we were. We reported it, but most people don't report it to the health department, so those numbers are totally, totally unrealistic. It's way higher than what you read on the news. So be careful. Uh, yeah. Outside of getting COVID for your 70, happy birthday. It was great. Um, yeah, it was great. <laughs> so outside of that, uh, for, I, I do have to ask you a question. I, I haven't been to the Grand Canyon in many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, the last time I was at the Grand Canyon, I was a, I was a, I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So it's been a long, long time. Do they still uh, offer? Is it offered? Can you still take the mules and the donkeys down? Can you do the? Can you do the mule ride down the, into the Grand Canyon anymore? I don't know because that wasn't even under consideration for my wife. It was like, no way. We're not doing a helicopter. We're not going down anyway. We are. I know you can hike down there. I don't know about the mules, but we just uh, did the Jeep ride, the pink Jeep uh, up to the top and all around. And uh, that was enough for us. But uh, I did the back roading, the pink Jeep off roading, uh, which is like, you know, Barbie taking you in her in her pink Jeep uh, on steroids, like a Land Rover commercial. And that was my wife didn't go on that. But that was really cool. We had a good time doing that. The pink Jeep. Is that I I was not aware until. I saw your note that you sent me and the picture yeah. of you, you know, in a pink Jeep, which I found a little terrifying. 
Uh, <laughs> hey, um, real ride pink jeeps. Let me tell you, no, it's a big I, thing that does this stuff, and they're, they're no, all. No, I understand. There. I understand. I'm just saying that I didn't know that that was an option. Is the so you can what, explain to me what the pink jeep option is at the Grand Canyon? Well, they just take you around the Grand Canyon, but in Sedona, you can tour Sedona. We actually went to these uh, uh, Native American. Uh, structures that were built prior to Europeans coming to America, where they built them into the red rock. So they, the red rock was their back wall, and they built three ro- uh, walls with other stones. Uh, and they lived there, you know, way back when. Uh, and then also, I went on one where it was totally off-roading, where you were climbing up rocks and going down rocks and going here and there and bumping all over the place. That was incredibly cool. And they're the only Jeep company that's allowed to do that. They have a they've been doing that with the Park Service since 1960, and they're the only ones allowed to do that. And that was just incredible incredible to get away from everything and just be climbing over these rocks it was just really awesome so it sounds like you had a you had a pretty a pretty special birthday a 70th birthday except for that whole covid thing indeed we're gonna forget that part just we have the pictures of the good part (laughs) right right you in a pink jeep i have that one That's yeah. That's my new screensaver, by the way. I just want. And you it's to on my. It's on my Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash/consumerman. <laughs> Herbin is pink jeep. So all right, there you go. Herbin is pink jeep. Hey, speaking of COVID, um, I did get um, from someone uh, a warning from from a podcast listener mm-hmm. uh, named Teresa, who said uh, my cousin posted a picture of their Vax card online, and uh, that's pretty much how they're sure that th- that their info got stolen. So don't do that, Teresa says. Now, now, now granted, uh, you know, people shouldn't do that. And I think that might be common. That might be common knowledge. But again, we want to warn people. And especially now, because a lot of people, uh, you know, are getting their second booster, which I did, uh, you know, like about three weeks, a month ago, I got my second booster. But I have never in all four shots that I've gotten, um, I've posted, you know, pictures of me with a Band-Aid on my arm, but I've never once posted a picture of my Vax card. And again, I think this might be common knowledge, but we should emphasize this more, Herb. Even though you're getting your second booster, don't post your card online. We shouldn't be posting anything with personal information. I mean, a lot of people, they're proud they just got their driver's license. They hold up their driver's license and, and post a picture of them. We share way too much information. I don't know that anything happened from this. There's so much data floating around from all the breaches that the bad guys already have. I'm not sure anything resulted from this, but it's just one more thing that, uh, you know, you don't give that personal information out that, that criminals who do a deeper dive in a scam and they contact you. Oh, I just see you got your latest uh, COVID shot. Uh, well, we have this, but I'm up for you. We're contacting you for Medicare or social security or the fed, the, whatever. Uh, that's just that stuff. Just you don't share that kind of stuff because bad guys are on social media as well. Yeah. And I always felt weird when I, you know, because, you know, I talk to you all the time and again, I mean, I would never post my, the picture of my, my ID. <laughs> I don't know. That just to me seems like common sense. And I guess, though, we do have to emphasize to people not to do that. So don't take a picture of your damn driver's license and put it on social media. Just don't. Do and one that. more. And one more thing. You when I sent the pictures out or posted some pictures from the vacation, I posted the pictures when we got home. Because a lot of people post while they're on vacation. And it's basically saying, hi, no one's home. Break into my house. So posts his vacation pictures while he's on vacation. Herb posts his vacation pictures when he gets back home and is protecting his property. Let me ask you a, a quick question, Herb. I'm just doing this uh, because it just happened to a friend of my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are some banks, are all banks required to send you a notice when there's unusual activity on your account or do, are other banks better about that? Is, that, is there something that is sort of written like banks must warn you if something weird is happening in your account or is that just a better bank does that? 
Yeah, I'm not aware of any regulation that requires that. Maybe if it's a certain amount of money, if it's you know over ten thousand dollars or something. But the way you can do that, everybody can do that with every bank and with your credit cards. Is you go to the security setting for your bank and the security setting for your credit card and tell them when you want to get either a text, an email, or a telephone call. So for my bank account, for instance, anytime money is withdrawn from the ATM. I know about it. I mean, my wife went to get money before the vacation, and the second she pulled that money out, I knew about it. Now, I'm not tracking my wife, but if somebody had gotten <laughs> my ATM card, I would have known instantaneously. Um, my, I'm sorry. I just, love the, I just love the idea that you may be tracking your wife. For some reason, I think that's hilarious. No. After 30, whatever it is, coming up on 38 years, if we haven't built trust by now, we never will. Uh, on uh, my credit card, I know instantaneously if someone does a foreign transaction. I don't do foreign transactions on my credit cards. I know instantaneously if money is wired from my accounts. I don't uh, wire money from my accounts. And if I did, I, I'd want to know about it. So there's all these things. That it can let you know, of course, when you're getting close to uh, having an over. Them that are secure, you can go online, just look for security settings. And Nick, you can do it in less than two minutes and you'll get these notices. And you know, I have it set just if there's a check for a certain amount, uh, or uh, uh, just so I know what's what's going on. Because if, again, if somebody got a hold of my checking account or my credit card, it's better to deal with it right away than because be, after all the yeah. money's taken out, then you have to deal with it. So just go to your, your credit cards, go to your checking account, set up those instant security alerts, and you'll, you'll have a good idea and a much better notice of what's going on. Yeah, I, you know, and that's important to do. And my 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 parents' friend got scammed out of uh, out of some dough, and I don't think that this person uh, set up those security measures that 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 person needed to. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's yeah. not automatic. I think people need to know that, like, if you have an account in a bank, it's not automatic. You're not automatically gonna get. You know, if someone takes, you know, like, you know, like like in this case, it wasn't a huge amount of money, but it was enough to make a dent. Yes. Um, and you know, and, and it was a question. And, and again, if so, it, what happens if that move, if that money is taken out, somebody takes it away, the bank is not responsible for replenishing that money. Are they? Well, if it's fraud, I mean, if somebody hacked into your account and stole the money, yes, the bank is. And if it's a fraudulent charge on your credit card, yes, the credit card company will make you whole. Um, if you sent money to a bad guy, uh, you know, if you were convinced to send money, uh, to some scam, the bank is not going to make you whole because you wrote that check. But yes, if it's some kind of fraudulent activity on your account, that's the kind of protection you have with a regulated financial institution like a bank or credit card, which you do not have when you uh, are doing things like cryptocurrency because that's totally unregulated. And if, if something happens, you got no protection whatsoever. So this person, uh, the bank, because it is a regulated bank, it's like, okay, look, I was scammed out of this money. Eventually that money will be covered and you know, by the bank's insurance and all that stuff. If the if it was a fraudulent transaction, but if they were scammed, like the fraudster said, send me a check for this amount of right. money. Yeah, then this they, was they, this, they, yeah, but this yes, was something was something that was just taken out of their account. Yeah, it wasn't absolutely. something. That, okay, all right. And, I just if to make sure and if they don't make you whole, you the next step is you complain to the CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. They regulate these institutions. the uh, The complaint is public, and they have. Uh, so many days to respond, and uh, when they know that the government is looking over their shoulders, they're much more likely not to drag things out. So if you get any pushback, cfpb.gov, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, that is where you write a complaint. Okay. Yeah, because wh- a friend of my parents uh, just got a little a little dough taken out, and, uh, and you know, uh, yep. obviously you always want to opt for, for it, like you said, it's easy. Uh, you want to get these warnings. You want to get these notices. Whenever anything slightly weird happens to your bank account, it's free, right? I mean, these are services that are oh, yeah, free absolutely. for them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So can I ask you a personal question? Of course you can. 
Are you still living with your parents? Uh, no. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Nick grew up. Oh, that's great. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not living with my parents. I, I spend a lot of time. I, I spend yeah. a lot of time. No, I, uh, I spend a lot of time with my parents. Oh, good. Because, good for you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because they are they're elderly now, and I spend a lot yeah. of time over there. But I do not yeah. live with them. So. And by the way, that is you know that's for anybody listening. Um, if you're if you're a little younger and you have elderly parents, you know these folks grew up at a time when things were different and you trusted yeah. people and there weren't all these cyber and, and just watch out for them. I mean, not, not that you have to pry around, but if there's any warning signs, you know, if they got all these magazines stacked up all over the places, they're not reading, maybe they got suckered in by a publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes scam or something like that. Or, you know, if you can help them with the bills and you see this money going out, out the door, I mean, that's part of taking, you know, they took care of you. This is how you help take care of them well, kind of thing. It's really her, important. Th- that's, that's how this whole conversation, that's how it started because their, their friend, their friend got scammed and then I wanted to make sure. And I was telling, and I told them, you know, I was like, you know, and they listened to the podcast Yes. and I was, I was telling my dad, I was like, look, every first Tuesday of the month, you listen to Herb and Herb will tell you a bunch of things that you need to, to, sure. to know. Sure. And, you know, my dad is very careful about that stuff. But, you know, sometimes my, you know, and I think a lot of a lot of people who are maybe a little bit older or, or not as, you know, savvy on the uh, uh, on the computer. Sometimes my dad will like, you know, sometimes take funny quizzes online mm-hmm. or surveys and stuff. And I'm always like, Dad, please either don't do that or, you know, be very, very careful when you're doing it. And I, to- you know, and I've told him many times, like, you know, because like. You know, uh, he's got a very, you know, he's his 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 bank account is with a very popular bank mm-hmm. that can easily be duplicated. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As we've talked yeah. about a million times, how yeah. he can get an email and it could look official. And, you know, uh, and and my dad over the years has a tendency to freak out over financial like threats and things like that. Yeah. And we talked about that kind of thing before, you know, and I've warned my dad about it and talked about, about it with my parents. And that's exactly that conversation that you were talking about, that that very important, you know, Keep an eye out for your folks and keep an eye out for people who might be older. That's the conversation that we had based upon what happened to their friend that I just told you about. And the key is you can't be judgmental like, hey, you know, you're old and don't know what you're doing. You have to just say, you know, I'm in the world where I use computers all day long or whatever. That's that's where the, the seniors shut down when you like are trying to be judgmental. It's like, no, I'm just here to because you took care of me and I'm just I deal with this more often. And yeah. by the way, hi, dad and hi, mom. Thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> and they're listening right now. My dad's like my dad's like, yeah, uh, yeah I've heard her before. And, and, I, and then I was like, well, yeah, because this is a friend who's the scam happened to. Suddenly my dad's like, you know, maybe I. To listen a little more closely, you know what I mean. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, thank you, so, Dad, for listening. There you go. All right. Well, listen. I, I wanted to lead off with one of the stories that's really important right now, and it is about student loans. Sure. Um, and uh, student loans. You know, people are going to have to start paying back their student loans. You know, because of what was happening in the world, and because of COVID, and because of the financial situations, and you know, the economy, and everything that has been happening. There was been a pause on the student loan uh, payback now, but now that pause is being lifted. And uh, what you know. The, the hibernation has been since March of 2020, so it's been uh, uh, two years now. Um, yeah, and more than what, two years. More than two years. And w- so, you know, when people have to start paying these back, what are we looking for? What changes have happened? What needs to happen? What's like the first steps, the ground steps to getting sure. back into paying these student loans back? Well, 
last month in, in early April, the Biden administration announced that the uh, pause was going to be extended until August 31st. So the first payments will start in September unless for some reason the uh, pause is extended. And we just don't know if that's going to happen or not. But there is a lot of pressure on the Biden administration to do that. Uh, Democrats in both the uh, Senate and the House are saying you really don't want to start this up two months before the midterm election. So there's always a possibility that it could be extended again. But that's not how you plan your financial life. You yeah. have to work with what's going on right now. Uh, And as of now, for 37 million borrowers who have benefited from the pause, your first payment is going to be in September. Um, And a lot of people may not be able to afford this because of what's happened during the pandemic. And we'll get to that in just a second. But the couple of things that you need to do, you need to prepare now. Here are the two key things. Update your contact information. A lot could change in two years. You could have moved. You could have changed banks, whatever. So you need to go to studentaid.gov. And that's the website run by the U.S. Department of Education that deals with all of this, studentaid.gov. And if your contact information is old, they may not be able to reach you when they start sending out mailings about the repayments restart, how much you owe, when the due date is, et cetera. So you want to go in there and make sure that all your contact information is up to date. You might also find, Nick, that your loan servicer is not your loan servicer anymore because since the pandemic, three federal student loan servicing companies have left the business, including Navient, which is a really big one. So you need to check on that as well. And then while you're there, use AutoPay. If you haven't signed up for AutoPay, sign up for AutoPay. Not only will it prevent you from having late payments, but you'll get a break on your interest rate. They give you a quarter point break on how much you're going to pay. So you're saving money by signing up for auto pay. And I'm told uh, by the experts at NerdWallet that if you were previously signed up for auto pay, don't assume that you still are, that you have to start from scratch again. They're going to make you re-sign up for auto pay. So uh, you should go on and make sure that even if you were signed up, you're signed up again. Those are two really key things that you need to be dealing with. Um, because of the financial situations that a lot of people are in right now, some people maybe in September aren't going to be able to pay them back. A lot of people have lost their jobs. <laughs> I'm one of them. <laughs> and uh, and this, this pandemic and the loss of my job has affected my financial situation sure. a lot. And a lot of people have to make adjustments. Are, is there any leeway for people who even, even though you know, it's, it, it, it's going to start up a couple of months from now, a few months from now, uh, is there anything that people can do who can't really pay right away? Well, the first thing you need to do is find out what your situation is, you know, because, again, your disposable income was probably a lot greater not having to pay the student loan debt. So sit down with a pencil and paper and see what's coming in and what's going out. And can you fit that extra two or three or four hundred dollar monthly payment back into your budget? Are there things you can cut out, things you could live without that you really can cut now uh, when you're starting to make the payments again? Uh, if you can't do that, uh, then what you have to do is contact uh, the federal government to find out what your options are for repayment payment. If you if you absolutely know that you can't make the payment, the payment plan you were on is no longer going to work for you. You know, maybe there's some kind of deferment or income based repayment program that works with you. Again, that information is on the Department of Education's website. They have what's called a loan simulator that can help you calculate the payments and can also help you choose repayment options that best meet your needs. The loan simulator is found by going to student aid dot gov that same website and then put a slash and then put loan dash simulator so student aid.gov slash loan dash simulator and if you miss this this is all in my checkbook story uh, that's up there on the website i have all the links all the things you need to do and options but that's where you can go to find out what your options are and there are some options but do it sooner rather than later um 
Wow, a loan simulator. Yeah. Man, times have changed, Herb. What? <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of tools in the web right now that make financial planning a whole lot easier. Yeah. It is, I just, I mean, what are, are there other things that, I mean, I, I've never heard of a loan simulator. I mean, I wish those were around, you know, for, for, for so many people uh, who are, st- I mean, I, I know people who are in their 40s who have loan, who still have student loan. We still have student yeah, loans. There's a lot of tools. Back. I mean, you can do like mortgage. You know, there's mortgage tools that calculate what your mortgage payment is, what your savings rate is, what your you know return on investment is. There's all kind of calculators online now that make life really, really easy. So that's the good thing about the Internet age. All right. Well, speaking of things that will help you out, and we've got uh, all, the, all these uh, great things that are in the Internet age that are so much different now than when you were, you know, like back in the 80s mm-hmm. when you were trying to pay your student loans back. Yeah. Um, and, and because of these things are changing constantly and because of what happened during COVID, you got to keep your eyes peeled. You got to be ready. And again, uh, an old pencil and paper. I love that you mentioned pencil and paper. because Yeah. You know, that's, that's a great it. And it has an eraser. <laughs> it does. Exactly. Story of my life. Uh, yep. so, but what about this, that, that there is also a thing called operation fresh start, um, you know, and, and this is offered by what the department of education. Tell us about operation fresh start. Yeah, this was that big announcement on April 6th, uh, my birthday, uh, that they announced it didn't give a whole lot of details yet, but the goal of the program, according to them is to wipe the slate clean for borrowers who are delinquent or in default on their student loans and make them current again. They want to get, give you a, so to speak, fresh start and let you make these loans pay. Now, there's the different terms, and a lot of people may not be familiar with this. If you're delinquent, you're more than 90 days late in a payment. That's going to ding your credit score because they're going to report that to the credit bureau. If you're in default, you're more than 270 days late, which means you're in serious financial trouble. Uh, the problem is you can't get a lot of those programs that we talked about that can help you uh, when you can't pay your bill. And also, uh, it's really going to ding your credit score. And the government can also garnish your wages or take payments from Social Security or other government programs you're getting payments from. So you don't want to be in default. You want to deal with that while you're delinquent if you're having problems. But the the details have not yet been announced. They promised they'll announce them in a couple of weeks. Uh, but this should help a whole lot of people wipe the slate clean. Credit score should bounce back up again and give you a new opportunity to start over. Of course, you don't want to be delinquent or default again because uh, that's going to drive you right down the same path. So that's why you need to start dealing with this stuff now and finding out what your repayment options are. Again, if you go to that studentaid.gov loan calculator, uh, it will uh, help you deal with those things now before you have your, these problems. Loan is, simulator. Is operation, is operation Fresh Start only for uh, people who are in debt with student loans or can people who are in debt and and you know been troubled by uh, other things you know by the pandemic by other you know uh, debts that they have accumulated not student loans is 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 there a thing like operation fresh start for people who just have debt besides bankruptcy is there anything no, like this that is, this is just this is just a program for the department of education for the student loan program federal student loans that are covered by the promise not it's this is not for private student loans if you have problems with them you've got the problems you have to deal with them this is for people who have federal the got federal it, government it. loans Okay, I just wanted to, I just wanted to clarify. I just wanted yep. to clarify that. Yep. Uh, and is there is there anything else uh, that you wanted to mention? Now, obviously, because uh, you know that now the student loans are being paid back, and people are interested in doing that and trying to get help in recovering, you know, in in, in paying their student loans. Of course, that means scammers are going to come out. Are there any specific scams associated with repaying student loans and student loans in general that people need to be aware of? 
Well, there have always been student loan scams, and I guarantee you as this gets closer and gets more news coverage, it is about to start up again. The scammers are going to come out of the woodwork to try to cash in, and they're going to offer too-good-to-be-true payment options and they're going to promise to erase your debt. The only people you can deal with in dealing with the debt is the federal government and your loan servicer. And, of course, these companies, Nick, as you know, always want money up front because they're going to steal your money and not do anything. So please don't fall for this. If you're having problems and you know you're going to have problems paying back the debt, you want to talk to one of two things. You want to talk to an NFCC certified student loan counselor. That's the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. That is a nonprofit organization. These counselors are nonprofit that they're looking out for you. You can have an initial consultation for free or really expensive. They can look at your whole uh, budgeting situation and help you make arrangements to pay the loan back or what you can do if you can't. There's also the nonprofit Institute of Student Loan Advisors, and they will answer your questions free via email. The Institute of Student Loan Advisors, they'll, they'll, they'll help you out in individual one-on-one situations. Those links, again, are with this story on checkbook.org or on the homepage of my website, consumerman.com. Go to some bona fide help first and don't anything that comes in by a social media, email, whatever, that we got the answer to your problems. Uh, dad, if you're listening, no, he doesn't have student loans anymore. But just no, to, God, do, no. do, what, do what Nick's dad would do. Just delete instantaneously and don't do anything with that because I guarantee you're going to be dealing with a scammer. I just don't want to see people get burned. Yeah. Not only do they not get better, but they lose money at the same time. Okay. All right. So just be aware of that. And again, uh, this article about the student loans is uh, all of the stuff that we talked about and even more detailed in uh, the article. And again, people can check it out at uh, checkbook.org. Yes, or consumerman.com right on the homepage. One last thing I wanted to share, you know, some people did better during the pandemic because they had lower expenses. They weren't commuting. They, you know, whatever. They didn't have dry cleaning bills, so they weren't going to the office. Some people, uh, not a lot, but some people during this pause, Nick, have actually been paying, making their student loan payments because there's no interest right now. So everything you pay is whittling down the principal. Uh, some people, that might make sense. You might feel better doing that. Um the president has indicated he's interested in doing some kind of debt cancellation, maybe up to $10,000. There's talk about that. He mentioned it the other day when he was asked about that by news reporters. So I can't give you broad financial advice, but that's what you need to factor in. It's like, maybe do I want to pay some of this down because that would because I can afford it and it would make more sense to me and I'm not going to get any kind of loan forgiveness program, so I might as well pay it off when there's no interest or do I want to just sit and wait, take advantage of the pause? I'm going to be in trouble. Maybe there's going to be some loan forgiveness. Maybe I get myself into one of these repayment programs. That's the kind of back and forth, again, pencil and paper you have to figure out. But for some people, it may actually make sense to be paying off while the pause is in place because there's no interest and you're paying down the entire principal with every check you're sending in. Okay. Yeah. Not, you know, the story is not the same for everybody. Uh, you know exactly. what I mean? And what happened during this pandemic and what people are exactly. going through. It's different yep. for everybody. So anyway, yep. um, also, uh, you you wrote a, another piece here in the in checkbook.org. Uh, my old buddy, uh, Tom Appel, is going to join us mm-hmm. uh, a little bit later in the podcast. And he's with Consumer Guide Automotive and talks a lot about uh, car issues and car related stuff. And you uh, wrote an article and, and Tom and I have talked about electric vehicles in the past. But you wrote a piece about wondering if it's time to buy an electric vehicle. Uh, uh, tell me about that piece that you wrote about at checkbook.org. Well, there's a couple of interesting findings. Number one, as I'm sure you're aware with your talks with Tom, everybody seems to be interested in electric vehicles right now. There's still a very small part of the marketplace. Only about 2.5% of all vehicles purchased uh, last year were uh, 
battery electric, according to Edmonds.com. But with gas prices, you know, up like 40 percent on an annual basis in March, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, people are really interested in these vehicles and manufacturers see the demand coming down the road and they are just cranking out the vehicles. They're doing plug in hybrids. Uh, they're doing all electric uh, vehicles. Uh they're, they're producing some really wonderful models, and the price points are still high, but the price points are coming down. Um, you know, right now, the, the average uh, car is something like $47,000, uh, but the and the average EV is something like $60,000, so there's a, a big price differential. It's a, In February, it was forty-five six for all new vehicles, and for the EV, it was 60000 according to Edmunds. But these price points are starting to come down. Uh, you know, we're going to see vehicles in 2023 that are at the $30,000 level, according to the Detroit Bureau. So, I mean, that's amazing. Honda and GM have teamed up to expand their entry-level EVs, you know, and again, with uh, tax incentives up to $7,500 in some cases, even if you're paying $46,000 for a car to get the $7,500 tax incentive, you know, that's like for an SUV. Uh, that, that brings it down dramatically. Uh, one other interesting thing, just to show you where we are, uh, all three nominees for the World Car of the Year at uh, the New York International Auto Show in April were EVs, the Ford Mustang Mach-E, the Kia EV6, and the Hyundai, Hyundai Ioniq, uh, which won the award. These are really cool-looking vehicles, and um, and I think that you know they, they perform really well. They're quiet. They cut down on maintenance bills. Um, the one thing I think your listeners really need to know is there are two kinds of electric vehicles, which sort of answers your question, should I buy right now? There's the electric vehicle that was sort of built on the original platform. So you take a, you know, like the t- Toyota Camry, which I have, was built on the Camry platform. They just added the electric stuff. So you basically have, uh, and even with, you know, you have the gas part and you have the, the electric part. The new vehicles that are plug-in electric or, uh, you know, electric, totally electric vehicles, um, they are built on new platforms, these new vehicles. So they don't have all the gas stuff in there. And they don't have – they just have the stuff they need, which means they have a lot more room. And the passenger compartment can be a lot bigger. You can get a vehicle that's one category or more bigger inside than the category you think it is. Does that make sense? Because there's so much more room inside. And then if you see, there's a picture I have with this article on Checkbook of the brand new, um, uh, the Ford F-150, this vehicle that's selling so much they had to stop taking pre-orders. I mean, they're not even taking orders for this thing anymore. This where the where the engine compartment was, they have now what's called a frunk. An F-U-R-F-R-U-N-K, a front trunk, a frunk that my friend Paul Eisenstein from the Detorpio, who's a tall guy, he could fit inside there with no problem. <laughs> yeah. It's an amazing amount of cargo space. But of course, then they have the cargo bay in the back. Um, so these vehicles are really amazing. They're quiet. Uh, I don't know if you've ever driven an electric vehicle, but it's not like, you know, you have to you have to gear up with a the, the, with a gas engine has to get up to speed. You know, you you floor that sucker and it's like on and off. It's like, I mean, you can do zero to 60 in some of these vehicles and some of the Teslas in two seconds and some of the other ones that are not even performance vehicles, five seconds. That's quite the performance. It's not like you're worrying. Am I going to be able to to merge into highway traffic? You're, you're going to be able to. Let me tell you with no problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know the interest is really huge, especially as you mentioned. I think more people are kind of, you know, looking at this option because gas prices are so, you know, incredibly high right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what other things did you you discover, you know, for people who are just in, in general kind of looking in the in the world of electric cars? What are some of the things that other people that might might want to be concerned with? 
Well, I spoke to the folks at Consumer Reports Autos for my story, and they've always advised against buying a model during its first year of production. And that advice they tell, told me includes the new crop of EVs coming to market in the next few years. As Mike Monticello said, let the automakers work out some of the bugs that typically happen with new vehicles. And he said it's not even necessarily related to the electric powertrain. You know, they're going to put in all kinds of new infotainment systems and all kinds of different controls and, you know, a lot of new electric components. And anytime you bring a whole bunch of parts on market, and put them together in a brand new vehicle, there are some potential reliability issues. So their logic is, wait, you're paying above sticker price right now. There's a whole lot of new models coming to market, more features, lower price options. I mean, if you have to absolutely need a vehicle right now, then you buy what you have to buy. But if you're just thinking about it and not really quite sure yet, give the market uh, marketplace a chance to work things out a little bit and maybe you know think about buying something in 2023 or early 2024 i think you might be a, little, a lot happier with what you get from selection what you pay and also from reliability because there'll be more chances to see about that kind of stuff got it okay and that's great you can see all that at uh at, uh, at, at again consumerman.com and at uh, uh checkbook.org uh, and this so, is also uh, this is also a uh, we did the whole thing as a consumerpedia podcast. So I've, I talked to uh, Paul Eisenstein from the Detroit Bureau and also uh, the guy from Consumer Reports. So that's uh, on consumerpedia.org. Uh, you'll see that uh, that's a great podcast because they talked a lot about it. And speaking of podcasts, you did talk about now. Now, uh, are you a you got a green thumb there, Herb? Are you a gardener? <laughs> I do. I do. I love the garden. Uh, and in the, in the, the latest podcast, uh, How to Buy Plants to Get Good Lawn Care, I talked to our editor, Kevin Brasso, who hates to get his hands dirty and actually told me that once he was raking leaves and he got almost got a blister. Poor baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, some of us are not. I'm, I'm one of those guys. I'm not cut out. I do not have uh, a green thumb. I am not oh. cut out at all for yeah. that. It's so I'm on my back deck and that's where we get the sun because I live in a in sort of like a forested area outside of Seattle and we actually have a beaver. We actually have a nature preserve outside of my house. We have this little tiny creek that comes down from the Cascade Mountains where we have had salmon spawning in our backyard. I mean, gigantic salmon. It's unbelievable. And the beavers decided that they thought this was a great neighborhood. I guess they like the school system or something. And uh, <laughs> they built five dams in my backyard. Those wow. damn beavers. And uh, so now I have a lake. There's Lake Weissbaum behind my house. I have waterfront <laughs> property. And um, they're, they're chewing down all the trees, by the way. That's what they eat and build with. Uh, but uh, we now have... Uh, we now have a heron crane, and we have mallard ducks, and we have a raccoon family, and the big Jeez. eagle from uh, from uh, uh, from Lake Washington every once in a while comes over to chill out in my backyard. It's absolutely amazing. So I sit out there and listen to the hummingbirds come by and, and garden and do all kinds of planting. I turn my mind completely off from consumer reporting and just feel the dirt and planting, and it's something grows, and it just makes you feel really, really good. So I, I encourage everyone. It's a, it's a great mental health stress reliever. Yeah. All right. Yeah. My ex-wife loved it. And uh, maybe that's why she's my ex-wife. I don't know. <laughs> and the um, one big point we made here in the story is, is that if you're buying plants, the the big box stores have the best prices. There's no question about that. But if you're looking for quality plants, the place to go probably is a local nursery in your area, especially if it's something you're going to spend a lot of money on. You'll get much better advice 
at a local nursery than you will, uh, you know, at some of these big box stores. Do you have any name and name of a plant? They go, I don't know. We got yellow ones over here and reds over here. And there's some blue ones back here, right. you know, and uh, especially if you have like a problem, like I needed shade plants, really good shade plants for some of my area. I went with this plant called Vinca because it really grows in the shade well and the and the and and uh, some Pachysandra and the people at the nursery really knew that. So you're going to probably high price. What I do, Nick, is I actually go to three places for my plants. And uh, I know that sounds like I'm, I'm really being anal, but I go to the big box stores for the cheap plants, you know, maybe the marigolds and uh, the daisies and stuff like that, that if it dies, no big deal. Or most people don't know this, but big box stores will let you take back dead plants. They will give you your money back if the plant dies within a certain amount of time. Oh, I didn't know that. They're very generous about that. So save the receipt. Uh, And they may not even make you bring the plant back. They may take trust a picture or your word that the plant died. So that's number one. Number two, Costco uh, has some, um, at least where we live, has some amazing plants at this time of year. And I bought a tray of uh, geraniums that was uh, great quality and so low price compared to what I pay anywhere else that I got that from Costco. And they have some really nice shrubs as well. And then uh, I go to the nursery because I want to support my local nursery. They're dying, really. There's only a couple of them left. And I get the really big shrubs or the things I really need. They're going to spend a lot of money on it. I want some expertise, and I go for them to get those kind of things. So I break out my purchases into three different purchases. Okay. So if, you're, if, you, if you want some help on that, uh, and people can hear uh, the podcast that you, uh, that you talked about here? Yeah, we talked, I don't know if you want to, we talked about lawn services. Uh, should you get a lawn service, you know, the ones that make your grass grow greener and, and, and what they do. And we also talked about if you want to have a designer, which is the really expensive end of all this, where you want them to design a patio and the landscaping and the whole routine. The, bit, the one bit of advice I can give about the lawn services yeah. is that uh, we found out, really check around, check out credentials, talk to people who've used them. Uh, we found, we did some other undercover shopping uh, and found that some of these companies have no idea what they're doing. Uh, we had several companies come over and they didn't even measure the lawn the same way. They had all different measurements for the exact same lawn. We used one somebody's house to have these people come over. In many cases, it's one size fits all. You know, whether you need pesticides or whether you need fertilizer, that t- they're just going to dump all this stuff on your lawn. Um, and, you know, you need to find out whether I can have this uh, speci- specifically for what I need on my lawn or it's just going to, you know, come around and psh, and take care of it. A lot of them want uh, want a, a yearly contract so you can't get a couple of things what you need for your lawn. You have to have a month after month kind of thing and keep paying. Um, and, you know, where do you live? You know, I got that creek in the backyard. I don't want a lot of chemicals in my yard. And mm-hmm. maybe it's, I don't have lawn anymore. That's why I got rid of it. I put ground cover in. But, you know, my neighbors try to be very careful about how much stuff they put on their lawn because we got the salmon and the animals in the back and that stuff just makes it into the water yeah. system. So, yeah. so think about that. And also, if you're going to fertilize a lot, Nick, you're going to be mowing a lot. Uh, and you're going to use a lot more water. And with so much of the country in a drought situation, uh, you might want to really think about how much you want to do if the lawn burns out you know it's just going dormant it's going to come back when it starts to rain again there's a lot of trade-offs uh, involved here but rather than just having somebody i'm coming through the neighborhood i do your neighbors i want to do you stop yeah. and think and we've got articles that anybody can read as well uh oh and by the way i should point out for you because we did something special for you again we have a link for all of your nick d podcast listeners uh they can actually find ratings for nurseries and lawn services and uh, lawn companies in in, in these uh, listing areas where checkbook rates things so all they have to do is go to checkbook.org slash nick d podcast has a nice ring to it doesn't it nice yeah Check, yeah checkbook.org slash nick d podcast you will get a three a free 
30-day free trial subscription to checkbook.org because the ratings are only open to subscribers. So if you're listening to this podcast in Chicago, as many of you are, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, where I live, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, or Washington, D.C., you can go on and get ratings for all of these services in your area. And I guarantee you, you're going to see dramatic price differences and dramatic quality differences. And it might be some, at this time of year, some good information for you. And then, you know, you might like to stay with Checkbook, but there's no obligation whatsoever. We're just doing this as a public service and to let you know, Nick, how much we enjoy being on your podcast. Oh, well, I appreciate that. That's great. That's great. So for my subscribers, my podcast listeners, go to checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast and take advantage of that uh, free ratings and uh, for a month. And, uh, and it'll help you out, especially if you are. I mean, it's springtime. You're looking to make your uh, lawn look better and your garden look good. So check yep. it out. Checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. I've never once had a lawn in my life, Herb. I've learned, I've lived in nothing but apartments in the middle of the city. Right. Well, good for you. Absolutely yeah. good for you. Yeah. That, so then you've never had those blisters that uh, nope. <laughs> I was talking about. Nope, that's it. Uh, oh, when uh, I was a kid, we had a yard where the, this, it was so steep. I grew up in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Have you ever heard of King of Prussia? I have not. Near Valley Forge. It's uh, oh, yeah. Right yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Expressway outside of Philly, and we had such a steep lawn. I mean, it was unbelievable that my father came up with a system where we would let the mower down on ropes and wear golf shoes with spikes in them to hold us to the ground, and that's how we mowed our front lawn. Oh and after God. a while, I got this is ridiculous. Let's put in some pack of sandra and some ground cover. Wow, this is just nuts. But yeah, I've, I've, and then the leaves. We had to rake the leaves every year, and it was like, and then there was a. Uh, and I was very allergic to it, uh, a pack, uh, poison ivy and poison oak and poison sumac. And I would get these <laughs> things on my hands every single year, and it was just crazy time. So I'm loving being in the Northwest where we don't have a lot of that, and we have pine trees, and you don't have a lot of leaves to rake up, and no grass, and I just have ground cover. So my, I go. found heaven here out in the Northwest. Just some needles to sweep up every once in a while. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's about it. Uh, Herb, always great. Uh, thank you for uh, for doing that for my for my uh, subscribers. Uh, checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast, and we'll talk to you again on the first Tuesday of next month. Herb, always a blast. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Stay well and stay safe, Nick. Okay, buddy. Take care. Uh, Herb Weisbaum, who is uh, your consumer man. Check out consumerman.com. Hey, it's for the people. That's what we do. First Tuesday of each month for you, for the people. We get help from Herb and we get help from my next guest, Tom Appel from Consumer Guide Automotive. Let's talk cars. Tom Appel. We're going to talk about cars still. Tom Appel. Yeah. Tom, how often do people call you the czar of car? Uh, or never, how often? Never. Never? Never. And what about um, the sultan of, of, of cylinder? Does sultan of cylinder ever come up in conversation? No, I have one guru of gears, but that's it. <laughs> I, I can't believe that's not in the song. I'm so disappointed that's not in the song. <laughs> Tom Appel is with us, who joins us the first Tuesday of each month, uh, along with, uh, you just heard Herb Weisbaum. Uh, he is our consumer man. And now it's time for Tom Appel as part of For the People, and this is for you, for the people. Any car, automotive questions that you have or concerns, check them out at uh, Computer Guide Automotive. Uh, and Tom joins us. Always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Lots of fun stuff and lots of informative stuff to get to. Uh, tell everyone how they can read the stuff and see all the cool things that are available to them as uh, the public uh, for Consumer Guide. 
Yeah, check us out at consumerguide.com. If you aren't looking for a car or truck, just go to our blog, and that, that link is right there on the homepage. Uh, additionally, if you want to listen to the podcast, you can do that there. You can stream it or just download it anywhere. And there it is. And then yeah. uh, once a month, the first uh, Tuesday of each month, Tom is kind enough to join us. Um, and uh, you're always test driving. You guys at the uh, Consumer Guide Automotive are always doing uh, yeoman duty, uh, checking out cars and driving them and telling everybody and giving reports. And uh, t- well, just in general, uh, Tom, how often are new cars reported on? How often are you guys test driving and putting all those results up on the uh, web? We will publish two or three full test drives every week. Jeez, that's, that's wow. That's amazing. You guys drive a lot. Well, yeah, I guess that makes sense, right? Consumer do, Guide yeah. Automotive. <laughs> Yeah, we have four full-time test drivers, and all of us are always in a car. Okay, well, tell me. You know, it's been a month. Uh, what are you driving now? What have you been driving? What's, uh, what's in the driveway of the Appel household right now? What's in the driveway, and it's sitting outside my office, and I haven't driven it, is the BMW i4. And this is BMW's brand-new all-electric uh, coupe-like sedan. I'm dying to drive that. I'm driving that tonight. Over the weekend, I drove the Hyundai Santa Fe XRT. Um, which has nothing to do with... I was just going to say, do they only play classic rock on the... (laughs) (laughs) I just cracked that exact joke on Twitter. Um, But but no, it's supposed to be an off-roady looking thing. There's no actual off-road quality to the the equipment, but it looks rugged. It's a very nice truck. I like uh, like the Santa Fe a lot. And if you're looking for a Santa Fe that looks just a little bit more rough and tumble, this is a good way to go. All right. Uh, so where do they do? They just add letters to stuff, Tom. We talk about this every single time I talk with you. We talk about the names of cars, how they're named, what kind of, you know, shooting something in a barrel do they come up with. Let's just add XRT to it. Yeah, you know, the weird thing happening now, too, is that the emphasis is completely off of cars and completely onto crossovers. And there's only so many size segments. So... They keep trying to divvy it up with different qualities, so sporty, off-roady, luxury. Um, so there's an awful lot of crossovers that look basically the same with very minor differences. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're excited about the BMW? It's, you got to be excited. It's a BMW, right? It's a BMW. It's a two-motor vehicle, which means that there's, there's an electric motor on the back axle and on the front axle, which means it should be very fast. It is very fast. I've already read that. I'm just looking forward to experiencing that fast. Very, very cool. And again, I've asked you this. I asked you this all the time. Uh, because you and everybody, you know, that you have working over there at Consumer Guide, because you guys are testing cars out all the time and driving different cars, how long does it take to adjust to the different feel, to the different way? You know, like, because you, you drive a car, let's say, how long do you drive each car? How long does the test drive usually last? Generally half a week. Okay, so you're driving a car for maybe four days. How long does it take to get into a new car and then go, oh, shit, this is completely different than the car I just drove for four days? Uh, with the adjustment, do, do, you, do you allow for adjustments when you first start driving a new car? We're so used to making those changes that they're not that big a deal. However, however, I just got out of the Hyundai Ioniq 5, which is Hyundai's first all-electric 50-state uh, vehicle. It's very good, but it features something called one-pedal driving, where you can just use the throttle to, to apply uh, acceleration or brake basically the engine the motor will brake for you so you don't need to use the brake pedal at all that takes a considerable amount of time to get used to and then it's really weird to get out of it oh god that's so weird yeah you don't have to do that oh you don't because that is it so is that an option like can you can you like you know can you just flick a switch and not have that happen 
Correct. Or you can make it more mild so that it's not fully uh, uh, gas pedal dependent for braking. The reason you do that is is because uh, when you're decelerating, you want to decelerate at the at the best rate to recharge the battery using the motor turning the opposite direction. Oh, I see. So it's it's a very weird experience. It's kind of cool. A lot of people love it. Some people can't stand it. That just seems weird to me. Yeah. I don't know. Well, of course, I haven't driven a car in a long time, so I don't know what the hell's weird anymore. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what you've been test driving lately. I have a couple of uh, quick questions here, and then we'll get into some of the topics and some of the things uh, that appear at Consumer Guide. And, of course, we have to get to uh, what you guys write on the blog, too, the daily yeah. drive. We want to get to some of that as well. And I have a, a, a car question in regard to – let me do this really quickly, the movie – uh, some movie vehicle stuff, which is something I always love to talk to you about, like popular or Hollywood or TV or movie vehicles. Okay. Um, I just, about a, about three weeks ago, a month ago, I finished uh, the book called Blood, Sweat, and Chrome, which is the true story, an incredible book, uh, the true story of the making, the conception, all the way through to the making and the release of Mad Max Fury Road, um, which... This is an understatement when I say it's one of my favorite movies ever in the history of anything that has ever happened. (laughs) And and Mad Max Fury Road is a movie that I've seen, I'm not exaggerating, triple digits, easy. (laughs) Um, And I love it. And I love everything about the movie, but I love so much, and it was confirmed by reading the book, that every vehicle in that movie has a backstory. And every vehicle is designed differently by different people, um, by many of the, the stunt people and the actors who drove the car, they considered it their own. Uh, and it took over a year and a half to shoot the movie. And in that time, they kept three or four giant warehouses full of vehicles that they would just change and mess with and accessorize. And by the time the movie was actually shot, the, movie, the, the, the people who, who played the drivers of those movies felt ownership of those vehicles. And every one of them, every vehicle in the movie has a backstory. Every and a history. Uh, have you seen Mad Max Fury Road? And I'm assuming, yes, you have. I have, but only twice. <laughs> okay. You got a ways to go to catch up with me. It might take yeah, a couple of years. Uh, but were you, is there, are there any vehicles that, well, I mean, you know, are there any vehicles that stand out for you in not just, because the story, and I really, I highly recommend you read the book. Uh, okay. Uh, Tom. It's called Blood, Sweat, and Chrome. Um, and it, it, even if you've only seen the movie twice, you'll still love the book. It's a fascinating, and especially the stories about the way they film those incredible crashes and chases and stunts and stuff like that, and the stories behind the vehicles themselves. That's enough for you. I mean, you would love it. And I know you're a movie fan, too. You would love it. But is there anything that you remember, any vehicles that you remember from any of the Mad Max movies, not just Fury Road, but the other three? Are there vehicles in those movies that stand out for you? The, the thing about the first movie is is the call out reference to the last of the V8 interceptors which is in car in cardum if you're a car fan you know all about these vehicles um Holden is a division of General Motors, or used to be, and they were famous for the really weird, sporty versions of American General Motors products, and the V8 Interceptor is totally over the top. Now, in the movie, in the movie, uh, you actually see someone clutch and declutch the supercharger. Not a thing that actually happens, but no one cares. It's so cool. And then you see the supercharger start to spin through the hood. Oh, Oh, it's so good. Well, I mean, the Interceptor is, is that's Max's vehicle. The Interceptor yeah. is, that's, that's yeah. Max's car. And it, it, there's a version of the Interceptor in all four of the films. 
and it's a one of the badass cars of all time. Um, but yeah, w- but once once you check out the movie again, Tom, uh, let's get let's at some point maybe we can do almost an entire segment dedicated just to the vehicles. I just would love you to watch Mad Max Fury Road again. Maybe even read the book at some point. All right, and let's do a whole goddamn podcast just on that. On just I would the, do that because I, I mean seriously, I mean because like you watch that, it's an in, it's insane. And any gearhead, and I know a lot of gearheads who just like when they saw Fury Road, I mean they flip over all three of the Mad Max movies or all four of them. But like Fury Road, I had gearhead friends who were like, "That's the greatest film ever made, man!" You know, like. <laughs> So, so anyway, uh, but I, I just thought I'd throw that out there. But anyway, Blood, Sweat, and Chrome, name of the book. It's terrific. All right. Okay, Dave sent in a, an email that is just asking in general, Carvana and the ilk, yay or nay? Have you heard stories about using Carvana? And for people who might not know what Carvana or other services uh, like that or websites like that, uh, w- what's the situation there? How do you use those? And are they, are they usable? Are they good? Yeah, Carvana is sort of the stay-at-home version of CarMax. And near as I can tell, it's working pretty well for most people. Because things are so darn crazy right now, I can't really get a fix on what the pricing is like. So it may or may not actually be a good deal. Uh, But in terms of staying at home, it seems to work pretty well. People can do the entire purchase process from home. People who don't know, Carvana is only dealing in used vehicles right now. They're not doing any new vehicles. Right. Uh, And they were initially, pre-COVID, fairly new, fairly recent uh, used vehicles. But right now, they're just scrambling to get cars like anybody else. I don't know. Um, I've I've looked at their inventory recently. It's not impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really hard to say. It might be a cool thing, and, and we'll know better, I think, in a year. Okay. But, you know, you've heard good things about it, Carvana. And, again, a lot of these places, like you said, uh, getting the cars has been a struggle. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, here's just a general question that I've gotten over, the, over a little bit of time. It is just a general one. Do people still put for sale signs in car windows? Does it, do you ever see that anymore? Do people ever go, yeah, for sale by owner, stick it in the car window, it's out on the street or in a driveway with the phone number on it. Does that still happen? Do you ever hear stories about that still being a thing? It seems to happen very rarely. Uh, Consumer Guide is headquartered in Morton Grove in the middle of an industrial area. Yeah. And there are a couple of functioning factories here with a lot of employees. Every now and then on the corner of one of those lots, you will see a car with a for sale <laughs> sign in the window. And it's usually not a car you'd be interested in. Uh, but... Sometimes you see it. Not not often anymore. Do you ever buy a car from looking at, you know, walking by and going, hey, this car's for sale. I think I'll jot down the number. Have you ever done that? No, but my wife and I sold a car that way, actually. How'd that work out? It went okay. It was our 2002 Volvo S60, and we just put it at the edge of the driveway with a for sale sign in, uh, on the, in the window, and someone actually bought it from us that way. It was easy. That's cool. That's so it cool. It was cool. I mean, I don't imagine it. I mean, I can't imagine. I've don't see it very often i get around a lot you know i'm i i walk around and i you know uh and i don't see it used to be years ago you would see for sale signs in the back windows of the side windows of cars all over the place it's just not a thing anymore no and i think now you'd be crazy not to list it someplace because used cars are so valuable yeah yeah um, well it's i mean obviously this is you know the in the this is clearly it was a bigger thing pre-internet you know what i mean like when you you know right you know, pre-internet now, all you got to do is, you know, throw it up on the internet and somebody will find it. You can reach a lot more people than some jackass walking down the block seeing a thing in the window, you know. <laughs> so, but I was just wondering if that was still every, every once in a while. But you still see it every once in a while over there in uh, Morton Grove every once in a while you'll see it. Yeah, not often. 
Not right. often. For sale by owner. I love that. <laughs> All right. I've never bought a car. I never bought a car for sale by owner. Um, but I had friends who've done it. I mean, I, I, I guess on the other end, I, we, you yourself had a personal experience, but I know some people who did sell their cars that way. So I, it was a thing. It really was. For people out there who are too young, yes, people actually put signs that said for sale <laughs> in their car. It used um, to be so common. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, uh, let's go to chap- this is chapter, a cheat tra- chapter four of Bondo talk. talk. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. how I, I brought this up as a throwaway a few episodes ago. And now every single time uh, you know, that I plug the phone number for people to ask questions or anything or comment, 773-417-6948, or send your uh, email to nickdpodcast at gmail.com, I get some sort of Bondo response. Are you ready for this month's Bondo uh, dive into the world of Bondo? I don't know, but, but go ahead. <laughs> now, I remember the last time I sent you pictures you know, of, of, of stuff. Well, someone said that uh, they used to have what they called a Bondo battle kit. <laughs> All right. Now, tell me if this is a good night. <laughs> for people who might not know, read very, very quickly, Tom. For people who might not know, who might not have heard, you know, the last three uh, episodes of the podcast where you and I have talked about this. What is Bondo? What was it used for? And it still does exist. But just a quick Bondo 101. Yeah, Bondo was some sort of weird epoxy polymer. It had the consistency of wet plaster, and you would use it primarily to fill in dents on your car. You wouldn't fix the dents. You would push them in and fill them in with Bondo and then sand them down and presumably paint the spot. (laughs) Uh, And the results sometimes were better than you would expect, but pretty miserable. Yes, yes. And I mentioned this because my old buddy, Rich, when I used to work at McDonald's with him like 40 years ago, he had a Maverick that was all Bondo. Like the whole damn car was Bondo. And we used to make fun of it all the time. But anyway, every now we mentioned Bondo. And, and for some reason, it, it, it struck a chord, Tom. I don't know what the hell. I had no idea. Did you have any idea that Bondo had such, a, uh, such an effect on people? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, back in the <laughs> 80s when I worked at a service station, I knew a, yeah. few guys, a few guys who were relatively dedicated to keeping their cars looking okay had some success, and by success, I mean the car didn't look awful with Bondo, (laughs) but mostly we made fun of those people. Right, right, exactly. Well, Bondo's here to stay, man. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) Uh, All right. Are you ready for this guy's Bondo battle kit? All right. Bondo, or your favorite polyester body filler. Now, that makes sense to have in your battle kit. A mixing board. So I'm assuming like a pallet? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, spreaders. What would that be? That's just like a spatula or something. A putty knife. There you go. A razor blade scraper. Um, sun for uh, a sur form or rasp. The hell hmm. is that? For filing, I suppose. Okay. Sandpaper. Okay. Acetone. Hmm. Dispos- disposable gloves, a dust mask, dust mask. Well, we're all wearing those. Uh, <laughs> just, yeah, you just keep it on after you get back from the restaurant. Uh, <laughs> eye protection, missing sticks. <laughs> I don't don't know what that is. A contour gauge. Uh, okay. Metal prep. And etch primer. So it's Bondo mixing board, spreaders, putty knife, razor blade scraper, um, 
surf form or rasp, sandpaper, acetone, disposable gloves, dust mask, eye protection, mixing sticks, mixing sticks, uh, contour gauge, metal prep, and etch primer. That's your Bondo battle kit. Uh, what, what do you make of that? That seems like everything you could possibly need or want, including something I'm not sure most people did, which was preparing the metal surface for the Bondo. That seems like extra credit kind of stuff. But I'm surprised that there's a kit because there's really no urgency to this. <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't know why you'd have this with you. <laughs> well, listen, don't, you know, listen, you never, never question my listeners, Tom. No, no, That's no. The, no, no, no. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just saying that nor, I'm totally what I say is never consider the sanity of my listeners is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, uh, so anyway, there you go. There's your Bondo battle kit if you need, if you, if you need that. So. That's thorough and impressive. It is, and I can't wait to see what next month World of Bondo brings us. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about um, uh, some of the stuff that you guys have been doing on uh, Consumer Guide and, uh, and the Daily Drive. Um, you sent me an article about uh, the Rivian Ready. Yeah. That's the, tell me about the Amazon, the Amazon hubs. Now, I, you know, I have to say that, is it just me or do the, are the Amazon prime trucks, are there more of them on the road and are they now like, is it like Mad Max now with these things, with these trucks? It is. It's, and there's, it's I've nuts, heard, right? Yeah. And I've heard people question the quality of the driving. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, First-hand experience suggests to me that the law is not a primary concern for Amazon Prime drivers <laughs> because they will park in any direction in the middle of a street and think that the emergency signals are just that trumps the law. If they're on, you're doing okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that seems to be – I guess that seems to be the case. But you wrote about uh, uh, something concerning this, in, in, including the, the, uh, the recharging uh, stations. Yeah, so this is interesting. I live in Palatine. Um, and and recently, about a year, year and a half ago, an Amazon hub went in not too far from our house, a thing which everyone in the neighborhood thought was going to ruin our quality of life. It didn't. It turns out that it's across railroad tracks in an industrial area and hasn't really impacted us in any way. That's so that's good. But now, now, drive, let me ask you this. What would be the yeah. concern of an what would be the concern of, 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 of a neighborhood that would suddenly have an Amazon hub? What would be, what are the concerns? There's there's two uh, when it when a when a big truck trailer is unloaded, there's usually an incredibly loud thud that resonates for blocks. Uh, that's one thing. And the other is having two or 300 trucks just driving in and out of there all the time. Sure. Uh, the, the local delivery trucks. Okay. So, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. But the big, the big thing here, and what I noticed, is, is that there are now charging stations uh, located behind the Amazon Hub facility. And this is a big deal because a couple of years ago, Rivian... EV startup manufacturer Rivian, famous for its pickup trucks, um, struck a deal with Amazon for 100,000 delivery trucks um, to be delivered over a five-year period. And there's been a lot of questions about when we would start seeing these and where they were going to go. Of course, these EV delivery trucks are all electric. So I was surprised to see and excited to see that there is provisions for about 100 trucks located behind this facility, which means that we should be seeing these EV um, delivery trucks built by Rivian, and they're very cool looking uh, in the Chicago area fairly soon. This is probably a test operation, but there should be enough of them there to matter. 
Wow. Now these te- now okay. Are, so these these charging stations they're not open to the public. So it's like you can't bring your electric car there and start charging, can you? No, no. It's a series okay. of level level two charges, which is interesting because it's a relatively slow system. Um, but they're all in one place behind this facility, behind a fence. So I wasn't. I guess I wasn't supposed to go there, but I needed to see them. <laughs> Uh, well, so a little B and E going on here, huh? A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> well, I didn't break anything. I didn't. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> I just uh, snuck in, and yeah. no one cares. No one's in charge there. So. Right. Right. And so <laughs> it, is, it is strictly just for the for the vehicles, obviously the, the Amazon vehicles themselves. Yeah. So they've made the provisions, which is interesting. This facility seems to have about two hundred trucks, so it looks like they're fairly quickly going to wrap up to being half electric, which is kind of a big deal, big transition. That is now, uh, uh, but I, I do have to say this: as you mentioned, you know the whole. Uh, uh, I, I I I I think now it's becoming a thing because I, I've talked to other people about this about how the Amazon Prime trucks now are like, oh shit! You, uh, do you remember in the uh, in the early morning uh, days if you were in the downtown area and uh, the the paper delivery trucks were around? Uh huh. I do. And you'd be like, get the hell out of the way! You know what I mean? It was one of the, it was like. When the paper delivery trucks would start at around 4 o'clock in the morning, if you are anywhere near on the street or anywhere near there, you're going to get run over by a guy driving a paper truck. Like, it's just, they're insane, absolutely nuts. And that seems to be the new sort of reputation that these prime drivers, these Amazon prime drivers are getting. It is, yeah. The thing I remember about those delivery trucks, too, for the Tribune or the Sun-Times or whatever it was, uh, the yeah. Daily News, but yeah. uh, was the horrible grunting noise when they'd take off because they were all in yeah. terrible shape and really overloaded. And there'd be some guy who hated his job just sitting in the back, just kind of tossing out big stacks of papers. Oh, God, those were the days, man. Those were the days. <laughs> I used to love And, yeah, you're right about that. The, the, the sounds that those, car, that those vehicles would make, those trucks, you could hear them five blocks away, man. And it would be like, because I, you know, obviously, as you know, uh, I'd worked at WGN for many, many years. Yeah. And I worked during the graveyard hours a lot. And so sometimes I would leave or, or walk out and just, not, you know, and I worked for the Trib. It was in the Trib building. So, like, we'd, <laughs> we'd walk out of here. It was just absolutely insane. And Lower Wacker Drive, forget it, man. You want to talk about Mad Max. Jeez. So. Yeah, I, I delivered papers when I was very young in the 70s and into the early 80s. In a, and, in, uh, in a, in a, in a truck like that? No, I, uh, no, I, I used my bike, but I, oh, okay. I was on the Palatine. And the truck that dropped off the papers was exactly what we're describing. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it just sort of destroyed the dawn for anyone in the neighborhood. <laughs> it's true. I used to deliver papers, too. But I had one of those big wooden carts. Oh. That you would boom, 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 you'd wheel down them, and it was like it had metal wheels. <laughs> and it was a big wooden cart, and you'd put like a tarp over it if it was raining. Um, so I never did the I never did the the bike, but I did the big the big wooden cart filled with papers. Oh, I used an ancient women's Schwinn with balloon tires <laughs> and an enormous <laughs> basket. An enormous basket. I'm just uh, I'm sorry, man. I'm just picturing you on a woman's Schwinn with a giant basket delivering papers, and it's a lovely image, Tom. Let me there just was, say there, that. There was no dignity in it, but there was a dollar a day. <laughs> right. I don't remember when I got paid. But we used to, it was over on Lincoln Avenue. There was a storefront on Lincoln um, between Addison and Irving on Lincoln. 
and it was just this storefront, and the guys who ran it used to just smoke all the time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you'd walk in at like three thirty in the morning, and you would have to you, you would have to stuff the Sunday papers and stuff as a kids. Uh-huh. Like they ne- they didn't come pre stuffed, so you had to put that that stuff all together and tie them up, and then throw them in your big you know metal steel wheeled wooden basket and push them down the middle of the street, waking everybody up. Because these things, you know, while I was pushing it down the middle of the street. Uh, and I don't know how much we, and then we used to go to the Lincoln Diner right up the street on Lincoln and Irving, which is now closed. Oh, yeah. I, I learned to swear when I was rolling papers in my living room. I'd, I'd just, I'd dutifully be out there at like whatever it was, 545 in the morning. I'd drag <laughs> in the papers. And then you had to roll them up. And those right. little green rubber bands yep. Yep. would snap. And they yep. would sting your wrist, and, and yeah. there was no response but the f bomb. There was yep. none. Absolutely. It hurt. I learned how to smoke from those guys. So that was a... <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, those trucks that dropped off those those things, right now they've been replaced, and they're electric, but they are still insane. And those are the Amazon drivers. The Amazon drivers are. I I'm not kidding. <clears throat> I was walking down uh, Irving, which is the street that I live on here in the city, in Chicago. I was walking down Irving, and I saw. Because Irving's a four-lane street, so you know, yeah, it's a pretty fast-moving street. It's a big, it's a big thoroughfare right in the middle of the, right in the heart of the city. So it's four lanes, so you can like, ah, this guy's a jag off. I'm going to change lanes. You know, you can do that uh, as opposed to being stuck behind the person. So you got a four-lane road, and it's pretty good. And I saw two Amazon drivers r- racing. <laughs> like down Irving, you know, each in a lane, just flying down Irving and like honking and screaming as they're driving down in, the, in their matching insane Amazon. You got the little smile, the little Amazon Prime smile on the side as they're going 55 miles an hour down Irving honking. I was like, well, there's something new. We got the Amazon truck finals <laughs> happening. I've, I've noticed, too, that at a lot of these facilities, there are the Amazon Prime trucks. Those are blue. And there are white trucks, and I think the white trucks are used by what they call gig workers, and I think those are the worst drivers. Okay, well, what are the gig workers? They are not Amazon employees, but instead, I think they work a little bit like an Uber driver does. Okay, So I All think right. they have a little bit invested in, in the job and the quality of the work done. <laughs> uh, and I think that we as people on the road suffer for it. All right. Well, they're out there, but now they're fully charged, which is good to know. <laughs> All right. You know, the, some of the stuff that you do on the Daily Drive, uh, one of the things that you sent to me is is nightmare inducing. Um, <laughs> and I think you know where I'm going with this, Tom. I, think I, do, do. I do. Yeah. Big top madness clowns in classic car ads. Are you did you do this? And, and by the way, uh, what's the link? You could just go to dailydrive.com. Is that the. Oh, you can go to blog.consumerguide.com. That's okay. a fast way. Okay, blog.consumerguide.com to check out all the really fun and really cool head dives into the past and future of the Daily Drive. Big Top Madness, Clowns and Classic Car Ads. Was this just done to, to fuel nightmares, Tom? Is that, is, that why, is that why you've done this to us? I did. Well, yes. But <laughs> I also did this because I was stumbling across a lot of circuses in, in old car ads, and I thought... You know what? A lot of these have clowns. And then when I found this, this lead image, I'm pretty sure that clown is smoking. Yeah. And, and that makes yes. it gold. Yeah. Well, explain, explain what this, this is. A cla- this, this first ad that you have in here. Basically, what you did was you gathered up a whole bunch of like, commercials and ads that feature yep. clowns, in, clowns in car ads. Um, That's and what the first, I did. Well, okay, what's the first one here? What, what's it for? Because, yes, the, that clown is smoking. There's, there's no question about it. 
So that's the lead, <laughs> the lead <laughs> image, and that's from a 1941 Ford ad, which is kind of nightmarish. In absolute, if you see the whole image, I've got an extract on the top. That's the lead image. Yeah. But if you see the whole ad further in the article, you see a 41 Ford, uh, a family in the 41 Ford. This car is in probably roomy, based on the image. Uh, but this clown seems <laughs> seems to be giving directions. But why this car? Would be in this weird off-limits area, surrounded by <laughs> surrounded by elephants and clowns. I don't know. Hey, uh, we just stumbled upon we just stumbled upon this circus. How do we get out of here? Let's ask the smoking clown. Did yeah, David that... Li- did David Lynch make this ad? What what <laughs> what is happening here? I don't know how this sells cars. <laughs> Uh, maybe in 1941 they were doing that's the year my dad was born so maybe they were doing some weird stuff back then I don't know I'll have to ask him I'll have to ask my dad wow Uh, and clowns why are clowns featured I mean clowns are featured in everything but I guess because clowns are associated with cars simply because you can stick so many of them into one I guess (laughs) yes that's why (laughs) Oh, man. What are some of the other clown things that you found, clown-related items that you found for the article? I tried to use this as a lead image, but it was just too big and weird. Uh, (laughs) But there's a 1956 ad for Avis where there's a picture of uh, a 56 Plymouth and two kids petting a duck on the lap of what appears to be a dead clown. (laughs) Where is Oh my God! I don't even is... know what to make of this ad, but Dad is taking pictures of it. I'm sorry, I'm looking at it. It's just spectacular. It's spectacular. So, so did you just did, was this something that you put the word out in the office that hey, when you guys are looking through the archives, you find if you find any insane clown ads, can you send them my way? I actually. I actually start looking for stuff like this a couple of months in advance because I, if I look for it on purpose, yeah. one, I'll get no work done. And, and uh, so I need to stumble on the stuff. Otherwise, it feels like a waste of time. Now, the Avis thing is unbelievable. I mean, seriously, it, the Avis thing is just, I don't even know what to say. Have you, by the way, for some strange reason, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> have you showed, has your daughter seen these? Because I think she'd get a kick out of this, just knowing. I don't know if she's seen the... I I have a feeling that your daughter's sensibility (laughs) would totally fit into this article. That's all I'm saying. I think she would enjoy this. I'm not bugging her right now because she's wrapping up her her bachelor's degree. So she's busy. She's busy. (laughs) But I will make her her check this out later. She's not too busy for clowns. I mean, come on. (laughs) She shouldn't be. No. Uh, All right. What are some of the other ones here? You got a, got a, a 62 Ford Fairlane 500. Got that one. That's got a lot of really weird kind of French-looking clowns. It's like up, upscale clowns. <laughs> is, it, is it ridiculous that every time I hear Ford Fairlane, I always think of Dice, like Andrew Dice Clay? <laughs> That's a good name. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, so you got that. You got the one of my favorite car names of all time, the 1963 Buick LeSabre. They have an, a, a, a clown ad. That's a great name, and I wish that the resolution on this ad was better because the image of the clown holding two little kids is is a little upsetting. <laughs> this is just endlessly entertaining, I have to tell you. Are there any other uh, sort of favorites that you have here that, that, that we haven't touched upon yet? Those were the good ones. How about the 1960 Chrysler with an elephant climbing on top of the car? 
what, what's this, going on? What's going on there? I don't know, and I sort of speculated that that guy was trying to steal the elephant. I don't know what's going on because like, put him on the back of the put him on. The, yeah. Hey, you know what? If you ever hey, Chrysler's are great for stealing uh, elephants. The lighting not. is really weird there, and this guy just stopped in the middle of the road to look at an elephant. It's it's improbable, unless he's he's scheming something. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. Well, anyway, if you want big top madness is the is the name of the article, <laughs> and uh, you will not regret checking it out. Clowns and classic car ads, and so much fun stuff on the Daily Drive. Always uh, always worth worth a uh, worth a look. Uh, definitely. Um, all right. Now, what about the electric Corvette? Are, are, are we going to get those soon? I mean, uh, that's, that's what we're talking about here. You, you sent yeah. me a little article about the electrified Chevrolet Corvette. Last week, General Motors released a teaser video of a Corvette. looked pretty much like any Corvette we've seen of the current generation, except it did some fun stuff in the snow, um, which is always, if you can drive a high-performance car in the snow, you always want to do that especially if it's safe and you've got a big open area. But this Corvette's going crazy. But one of the things that it's doing, one of the things that it's doing uh, is, is we're watching the front wheel spin before the rear wheels, which means that the vehicle is all-wheel drive. And the easiest way to make a car all-wheel drive and improve the performance is, even if it's a gasoline vehicle, to throw a motor up front. And that's what Christ, um, I'm sorry, Chevy is obviously doing here. So we're going to see an electrified, more or less hybrid Corvette coming soon that should be very high performance. And there's an additional rumor subsequent to that, that an electric Corvette, all electric, no gasoline engine, is coming soon. However, the odds are that may be a crossover called Corvette. Mm. <clears throat> How do you think gearheads are going to feel about an electric Corvette? We'll be like, ah, it's not the same. It's not like a really... Will, will, they, will, will, they, will they make you put an asterisk next to Corvette because it's electric? Is that going to happen, do you think? Um, if it's electrified, and by that I mean hybrid, I think that'll be fine because a lot of vehicles, including the Acura NSX and certain Ferrari models now, actually use an electric motor in the hybrid style to improve performance, not fuel economy. So that's a fairly legit thing to do now. It mm -hmm. is going to raise the price of the car, uh, but I think that's just where things are right now. And how do these, uh, you know, when, when, they're, when you have a classic name like a Corvette, um, yeah. uh, do they try to stay? I, I know that cars now look and feel completely different than they did back in the old days. But do they try, do, do some manufacturers try to make the car look like the classic image that you think of? Because there's, a, there's a, definitely a specific image that I think of when I hear Corvette. When they're making the new cars and the electrified versions and all that stuff and the new models, do, do they try to adhere to the, to the classic sort of style and look? They do, or they try to make the evolution very subtle. But one of the things that happened for the current generation a couple of years ago, when we went from what was the seventh generation or C7 Corvette to the C8 Corvette, is that the motor moved from, from the front of the car to the middle of the car, which is wonderful for, for handling because you have really great weight distribution. It's expensive to do, but, but further, it really upsets the lines of the car. So it couldn't look like previous Corvettes, unfortunately. And it, has there ever been? Here's a, here's a question that I've never asked you that I think I, I'm going to right now. <laughs> uh, has there ever been any any? And I, I, I'm trying to think of. And I think this is obviously a, a question that is ha that has it, the answer is yes. Has there have there ever been any radical changes to way that to the way that cars look that upset people? Oh yeah, yeah, that's happened a number of times over the what years. Are, some, what, are there are there some big ones there that that kind of uh, hop out at you? Like, man, they really changed the look of this car. It doesn't look like that. Like, you know, uh, has there ever been, a, you know, some of them that really have popped out 
that where, where there have been radical changes to the way some classic uh, makes have looked? In the in the eighties, uh, in the early eighties, General Motors redesigned its midsize cars. They were called the C body cars, and that included things like the Regal um, and the Grand Prix, or the Le Mans and the Malibu. That line of cars, and one of the things they did for the Buick and for the Oldsmobile version was give them what they called the arrow back. So it had this interesting sort of sporty swept back look to the car um, that everyone hated. Mm. <laughs> it was stunning how poorly those sold. And they had to quickly uh, reconsider what they did with those. And the traditional sam, uh, sedans followed quickly. But it was an absolute disaster sales-wise. I, I remember there there have been other like cars. Like, Didn't they do that to the Mustang? Didn't they change the Mustang like... Almost completely, and people were like, that's not a Mustang. Or am I nuts? Well, yes and no. For 75, the Mustang was redesigned, and it was downsized because gas was very expensive, and, and the whole world was sort of shunning performance. So the Mustang was shrank, shrunk, and, and traditional enthusiasts were really upset about what they built. It was a weird-looking car. They used to cover it with a Landau roof and wire wheel covers. Yeah. But for some reason, the general public took to it. So it wasn't an enthusiast car anymore, but it proved to be incredibly uh, popular. I see. Okay. It was weird, though. It was a very jarring transition. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, at least they're trying to <clears throat> stay with the with the old looks when they're making the new electrified cars. And uh uh, so, and why is it important to drive a Corvette through the snow? What what makes that more? What, what? <laughs> I think only because it's a fantastic video. Okay, <laughs> I knew that was the reason. I just wanted to yeah. hear you say it. That's <laughs> uh, for all of your car needs. Uh, just go to uh, Consumer Guide uh, Automotive, and it's uh, consumerguide.com. It's consumerguide.com, yeah. All right, cool. Well, let's talk about uh, uh, more important stuff. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the Star Spotter. As we, we mention this, every time you're on, you have this tendency to you love to watch old television, particularly old westerns like your Bonanzas and your Gunsmokes and all that stuff. And yeah. whenever, you, whenever you spot like uh, a star, you post it on your social media, and it's always a lot of fun. Anything lately, any people lately that you've spotted while watching those things and, and making your uh, wife roll her eyes? Oh, wow. Who did I just see last night? I did see a good one, and I can't remember, but it's on Facebook. Okay. Yeah, but I've been, I've been, I've been keeping a keen eye out there. I'm actually going to go to Facebook and just look for my Star Spotter stuff. Uh, it's Simon Oakland, by the way, is who you That's uh, who it was. Thank yeah, you. Simon, Simon Oakland. He was on the Big Valley. <laughs> That's a guy who I think ended up in more stuff than he probably deserved. <laughs> And I believe that is a good analysis of Simon Oakland's career right there. <laughs> because he was um, in the Rockford Files and, like, had on a hot tin roof. And... He was in a ton of – I mean, obviously, Rockford, yeah. Files is the one that, Rockford Files is the one that I remember the most. Uh, he and Joe Santos, another guy who was yeah. like – you, know, uh, you know, and, and speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of classic cars, my God, Rockford, please. Uh, we want to get into classic TV vehicles. Is that one of the cool – that's got to be one of the coolest TV cars ever, right? It is because it's, it's even cooler than most people know. They started with a 74 uh, Firebird, and James Gardner insisted that it be a formula, which is basically a Trans Am without all the stuff on it. So it was a formula disguised as a base car, which makes it incredibly cool if you know what you're looking at. That is so cool. It's well, so anyway, cool. Be, anyway, you do the Star Spotter thing. Simon Oakland yeah. is, the latest, is the latest target. But I sent you this, this from MeTV, our good friends over at MeTV. That's the Sven Gulli Network, as I like yeah. to call it. Uh, well, they put out a quiz. 
that said, can you recognize all these funny actors in serious roles on Gunsmoke? And I immediately sent it to you. <laughs> so how did well, you do? How did you do uh, on this on uh, this quiz? I missed one. I don't you, know. And I, I think I've seen this episode, but I don't know who Howard McNear is. All right. Let me go through. Let me look at this now. It says sitcom star. Uh, okay. That's Buddy Epson's an easy one, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Robert Vaughn is an yep. easy one. And then they ask you, but see, that now they, they, they quiz you because it says who's co-starring with Robert Vaughn. And that's Barbara Eden. Yep. Seen that episode. It's good. Okay. Uh, and then the funny sitcom star, that's Alan Hale. Yep. The skipper. Okay. The skipper. Uh, let's see. As I scroll down more. Uh, she's mostly known for her straight comic role or, or her comic time. Which, that's Loretta Swit. Mm-hmm. Okay. She was and crabby I love cho- in that episode. She does. But I love the, I love the, the, the choices are Ava Gabor, Loretta Swit, or Florence Henderson. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no one's getting that wrong. Okay. And do you recognize this beloved actor, Howard McNear, Hal Smith, or Tom Bosley? Now, clearly it's not Tom Bosley. Right. Uh, so you thought it was Hal Smith. You guessed Hal Smith. I did. I don't know who that is either. So Howard McNear, Hal Smith, mysteries to me. Howard McNear, he I'm looking at his picture. He does look like somebody that's been in a bunch of stuff, but I probably wouldn't have known that one either. I wouldn't have known that one either. Um, all right. He cracked jokes as a sitcom star and on variety shows. And that's Maury Amsterdam. Yeah, I just saw that episode. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I remember that one. And then Rosie was on the next day, right? Or something like that. Which is crazy. And those episodes actually did air in order. Mm-hmm. Long before there was a Dick Van Dyke show, isn't that crazy? It is crazy. How about this next one? Was a picture here. Uh, you can, uh, by the way, you can check this out at MeTV.com. They have great stuff over there and great quizzes where they ask you to recognize funny actors from Gunsmoke when they made appearances. Uh, you can be as silly in a Mel Brooks movie as you as you could. You could be serious on Gunsmoke, and that is Cloris Leachman. Cloris was on Gunsmoke like half a dozen times, and she was also on The Big Valley a couple of times. She worked on. She worked a lot, man. She worked she did. a lot. Also, they make her look so much older than she was. She was like 12 at the time. I don't know how old she was, but she was I know. young. It, it's weird because you go back and look at she, – because she worked forever. Yeah. And, I, uh, and, and, like, you would think, man, Cloris Leachman was always middle-aged, but she, <laughs> she wasn't. Um, how about the sitcom star? It was either George Lindsay, Jim Neighbors, or Howard Morris. And that's George. That's, that's Goober. Goober, right. Goober, not Gomer. And he plays creepy guys on Gunsmoke. Does he? Yeah, they're creepy. They're weird. How about this one? Uh, 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 Sid Caesar, Gary Moore, or Lyle Wagner? And that's obviously Lyle Wagner. It is. And, uh, yeah, I could see Sid, Sid, Sid Caesar ever be on Gunsmoke. Could you imagine that? I can't. Also, I think that's Victor, Victor French with Lyle Wagner. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. And then this one, uh, who is this? Rosemarie, Elizabeth Montgomery, or Natalie Schaefer? And that's obviously Rosemarie. Yes, obviously. Uh, and there you go. So those are those yeah. are the those Good are the quiz. ones. So you, so you only missed one, right? I'm impressed. <laughs> oh, I watch way too much Saturday morning TV. <laughs> way too much. Well, all right. Uh, well, anyway, that's that's part of the fun. Star Spotter continues. Follow Tom on uh, Facebook for that. And then for all your car needs, check out uh, Consumer Guide Automotive, and uh, and all the fun stuff that they do on the. Uh, on the blog uh tom always a an absolute pleasure and a joy i haven't driven in years and every time i have you on i learn something and i have a blast so all the 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 fun was all here okay cool and uh i will talk to you again next month on for the people thank you tom thank you all right buddy take care uh that is tom appel 
uh, Consumer Guide Automotive. It's always great to talk with him. He's just so much fun. And he's also informative. Any kind of car question, any auto-related question that you have, he'll help you out. Uh, car question in terms of, uh, you know, how your car is performing or any of that kind of stuff. Looking to buy a car? Leave a voicemail, 773-417-6948. Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, my dad enjoys telling jokes, and I can tell he's, I think he's walking up near my door right now. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Ah, yes! That's right. That's right. Time for my dad's joke. Every Tuesday, my 80-year-old dad joins the podcast to tell a joke. And that's how we like to end the Tuesday podcast. So early in the week, let's get some laughs going. Oh, there it went. Hold it. Come on in, Dad. Why don't you tell a joke? I went for a job interview today. The boss asked me, why did you leave your last job? I said they were relocated, and they didn't tell me where. Oh, Dad, I feel bad. All right, see you later, Dad. Oh, yeah. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. Maybe it would have been uh, classier if the Jagoffs at GN had said that to me. No, they don't have that much class or intelligence over there. No. All right, thank you, Dad. Thanks for the joke. I appreciate it. My thanks to uh, everyone on this podcast. Uh, Esmeralda will be back. Uh, she always takes a break on the For the People uh, episodes. Esmeralda will be back. Um, and as will on the next episode, everybody batten down the hatches, because Stephen Tobolowski, one of the greatest actors in the world, the greatest character actor ever, you know him from Jeez uh, Thelma and Louise and uh, Silicon Valley and Deadwood, um, and sneakers and uh, one day at a time. Uh, I could go on and on and on and on and on and uh, glee. And of course, he's needle nose Ned, Ned the head from Groundhog Day. He is back. Um, and we haven't talked in a couple of years. He was a semi regular on my uh, WGN show, and he has promised to be a regular on this podcast. The great Stephen Tobolowski on uh, Friday's podcast. Make sure. You tune into that. Subscribe now. If you haven't, please do. And my thanks to everybody at uh, Radio Misfits, my man Ed and everybody else. Check out all the great, varied, amazing collection of podcasts that are available at radiomisfits.com. Subscribe to our podcast. Rate and review us. Please do. Take the time. Rate us. Review us. Tell us what you think on any platform. And, uh, and also remember to leave your voicemails at 773-417-6948. And leave your emails at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, who, by the way, as we speak, is composing a uh, theme for Stephen Tobolowsky. We'll debut that on Friday as well. My thanks to you for uh, listening, and my thanks to everybody else and Tom and Herb on another great uh, For the People uh, edition of the podcast. And we will see you the next time right here on the Nick D Podcast.